Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's August 9th, 1329, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. You'd be forgiven for assuming that Christianity came to India around the same time as pith helmets and red coats as part of the British Raj. But the first Catholic diocese in India was actually established much earlier, today in history in 1329, a time when Christianity was yet to reach some parts of Europe. And in a funny way, it had been a long time coming because according to Christian legend, St. Thomas, you know, Jesus's doubting apostle, went to India around AD 50 and established seven churches along the southern part of the west coast of India, including in Koilon, and that was said to be the second place that he set up his church. There's actually no direct historical evidence to prove that St. Thomas made it this far south, although he probably did get into at least northwest. Western India. But in any case, the, the region does continue to claim him as this sort of very, very early encounter with Christianity. But how did he get there? Surely it must have been on a balsa wood boat drifted over from Norway. <laughs> well, um, there were a series of Middle Eastern migrations during the early years of the first millennium. Uh, it's not just in the 20th century that Israelis started going to Goa in their gap year. Um, so it wasn't an unusual place for people to come. And in fact, yeah, we don't know that St. Thomas was there, as you said, but the reason it probably is likely is because basically the spice trade, that's the reason, right? Everyone went there because Kerala, that's what it is, modern day Kerala, provides ideal growing conditions for spices. So Jews and Arabs had settled in Kerala for centuries before Jesus was even born. So it was kind of, it really was part of the... The backpacker trail. The backpacker trail. If you're coming down from Jerusalem, you're going to go to um, Koilan. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting that you mentioned Jews because there's a group of Jewish people on the Malabar coast called the Cochin Jews. They have lived in the area since the first century AD and they also have their own legend dating themselves back to a biblical character. It's very popular. They trace their own arrival in the region to the time of King Solomon. But what happened on this day was that Pope John XXII, in recognition of the particular zeal of an evangelical uh, set of monks led by one called Jordan of Severac, he rewarded Jordan of Severac, also known as Jordanus, with the Diocese of Coilon and nominated him as the first Catholic bishop of the region. Yeah, so in other words, Christians were there... But this date, which we're commemorating is in the history books, was the first time an Italian went and said, ah, <laughs> right. we're all Christian. Yeah, well, the issue that was facing Jordanus when he arrived to take up this position, he'd actually been in, in India for several years at this point, and he'd gone back, received his appointment, gone back out there. The issue was that there were these what were called St. Thomas Christians. And at the time, they belonged to what was called the Church of the East, that split from the Roman Church in 431 AD. And today, it doesn't really exist as its own entity. It's split between Catholic, Orthodox and Protestant denominations. 
denominations. But at this time, the Church of the East was ministering to the St. Thomas Christians with bishops from Persia. They had their own rites, their own doctrine that was quite different from the Catholic Church. So kind of what he was doing was not only to create new converts, but to sell the Christians in the area who'd been around for hundreds of years at this point on this westernised Roman Catholic form of the religion, which was to take hold. Jordanus was actually kind of the right guy for it. He already had experience at working with different groups of people because he had been a Dominican friar who had been working as a missionary in India with Franciscan brothers, led by St Thomas of Tolentino. And he had actually narrowly escaped death when the rest of the missionaries were detained near Mumbai in 1321. Jordanus was away preaching at the time, so he was not with them. They were detained by a local Muslim ruler who asked them their view of Muhammad, to which St Thomas of Tolentino replied... He was the son of perdition and has his place in hell with the devil, his father. Unsurprisingly, they were beheaded. Yeah, he was going straight for the sainthood with that one. You get the sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jordanus was a good person for this role for another reason, which is that he seems to have had a genuine interest in uh, India. And in 1329, he wrote the Mirabilia, which described just the marvels of the East, which was this really luxuriant account of the regions that he had encountered with their products, the climate, the manners of the local people, you know, the fauna and flora. It was really kind of the best guide that was given by a European in the Middle Ages. Uh, Superior, some even said, to Marco Polo's description of his travels in the area. So, you know, he kind of had a good sense of the people with whom he was dealing. And he also came with the good credentials that you were mentioning, Rebecca. And then, you know, another hundred years goes by, And in 1498, the Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama goes there to Kerala to open up the first Europe-India sea route. And presto, he's surprised Mm. that there are Christians there. What are Christians doing here? I'm here to bring Europe over to India and they're already here. It's like people kind of forget that they're there once they've been. And I think that's partly because... Um, obviously, the huge amount of distance involved uh, and trade routes really being about spice, not about faith. Um, But also just because... Um, it's such a specific place and so specifically different to Rome (laughs) that I think, you know, over just a few years, you can see how the religion would have shifted and changed even under the watchful eye of of someone like Bishop Jordan. Like, it's going to be different. It's going to have its own identity. I think because of colonialism, we tend to associate the spread of Christianity with Europe as the central point, you know, which obviously was true for hundreds of years. But before then, I mean, Christianity obviously originated in the Middle East. Mm. You know, we're like, oh, wow, I can't believe St. Thomas ended up in India. But actually, he ended up in India because he was in modern day Iraq, Syria, Iran. More likely there than Canterbury. Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) So it's not that surprising that Christianity would come from that direction rather from a European direction and that it would form in a way that was relatively untouched by what was going on. In Western Europe. But at the same time, the establishment of this Portuguese control, which, as you say, Ollie, was sort of only actually secondarily about religion and more to the point, it was about trade. But by the early 16th century, the East Indies had pretty much all fallen under the jurisdiction of the Archdiocese of Lisbon. So you really did have this Portuguese control creep in very quickly. And by 1534, Pope Paul III had created this massive Episcopal See that was centred in Goa that stretched all the way from the Cape of Good Hope to China. Well, actually, you know, the Coilin Diocese that was established on this day had a kind of a similar thing, you know, despite the geographical limitations the name implies, as the only recognised Catholic diocese in India, it also had jurisdiction over Catholic church matters in the entire subcontinent, including modern-day Bangladesh, Nepal and Myanmar. And also the moon and outer space. (laughs) (laughs) And yet continued to perplex Westerners. 
Um, in the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire in 1777, Edward Gibbon writes, quote, The title of Mother of God was offensive to their ear, describing Indian Christians, and they measured with scrupulous avarice the honours of the Virgin Mary, whom the superstition of the Latins had almost exalted to the rank of a goddess. When her image was first presented to the disciples of St Thomas, that's what he called them, interesting, they indignantly exclaimed, We are Christians, not idolaters! And their simple devotion was content with the veneration of the cross. Their separation from the Western world had left them in ignorance of the improvements or corruptions of a thousand years. Yeah, Jordanus was very unimpressed by the established Christian communities he found there. He wrote, In this India there is a scattered people, one here, another there, who call themselves Christian, but are not so, nor have they baptism, nor do they know anything about the faith. Nay, they believe St Thomas the Great to be Christ. So in an attempt to correct this, he built his church in Coilon. Correct. It was St. George's Bring over church. all the uh, additional bits that Europeans had stuck on the religion <laughs> yeah. for the last 500 yeah. years. Yeah, he decided <laughs> to add all of that really needless stuff around the edges. Um, St. George is a patron saint of Catalonia, which is where Jordanus was from. So he built his own church, St. George's Church, and used this kind of as the HQ for his mission to sell the locals on Roman Catholicism. I mean, the Coyman Christians seem to be doing okay before he got there. The, the origin story with St. Thomas the Apostle is a bit dubious, but there is a 9th century copper plate. That's the earliest material evidence of Christianity in the whole of India, which granted the Christian community in Koilon trading rights and permission to build a church. So they were doing fine. They had churches. They were happy. They didn't think that St. Thomas was Christ, but they did venerate him to a degree, which maybe to Europeans was more appropriate to, as you mentioned, the Virgin Mary. They didn't like this in particular veneration of St. Thomas, but they did know what they were doing and they were perfectly fine without a Catholic church. That was why it was a hard sell. Yeah, and I think that even lingers to this day. You know, Kerala still makes lots of claims to that that connection with Thomas, the Thomas. You know, you, there's lots and lots of people who are born Thomas. There's lots of businesses around the region that have Thomas somehow in their title. But then you had the Jesuits, the Portuguese Jesuits, who established, as you mentioned, the Diocese of Lisbon, which ran all the way down the Goan coast and further south as well. They even established a Goa Inquisition. I hadn't heard of this. Kind of a parallel to the Spanish Inquisition and the Portuguese Inquisition. It ran almost continuously from 1561 to 1820. And it's this kind of bizarre parallel version of, you know, I think most of us have heard of the Spanish Inquisition and the way that a lot of the Jews in Spain were forced to convert or at least pretend to convert to Catholicism. There was kind of a parallel practice going on in the Goa Inquisition where Hindus are being forced to convert or practice their religion in secret at their own peril. And it went even further than Hinduism. Books in Dutch and English were confiscated and destroyed on the basis that they might contain Protestant teachings. And the St. Thomas Christians in particular were targeted as well. Their prayer books were destroyed. They were banned from speaking their dialect, which was a Syriac dialect similar to Aramaic. They were forced to use Latin services. And there was also, I didn't know this, a Mexican Inquisition, a Brazilian one, a Peruvian one, and a Colombian one. There was genuinely nowhere to be a safe non-Catholic in the entire empire. I mean, if I had to choose an Inquisition, I'd probably go Goa. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow. You know, go for the jugular. And that actually he did this slapping because it was an act of propaganda. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.